0: what's up everyone welcome to my corner of the internet i'm your host ryan kramer and this is crossover commerce presented by ping pong payments the leading global payments provider helping sellers keep more of their hard-earned money what is up everyone happy friday and I'm your host Ryan Kramer, welcome to Crossover Commerce. Man, that was a rough start. I'm your host Ryan Kramer, welcome to Crossover Commerce everyone. Presented by Ping Pong Payments, episode 89. Uh, Today's episode is titled Standing Out, Amazon Display and Video Ads. Thanks for watching us live on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn and Twitter. Or if you're not watching us live, you can watch us on replay on all those same social media channels. But if you're listening to this, thanks for tuning in via Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, or any other podcast platform where you can find or listen to content like ours. Just search Crossover Commerce and make sure that you subscribe to those channels and be notified when they get released every single time as well. Because I go live about four to five times per week, do me a favor right now. Go ahead and like, share, and comment uh, on this episode. Tell us where you're listening from. Go ahead and share this with your network because believe it or not, every single week I'm going live about four to five times per with people all over across the Amazon e-commerce industry, nuggets of information that I want to bring to you to help elevate your business moving forward. That being said, I can't do this without your help. So if you share this content out there, let us know what you think it's an interactive and engaging podcast. It's not just two talking heads all day uh, or three or four, Who, who uh, how many people I might have on this show. If you have something that you want to share or just ask a question about, go ahead and drop that question in there and tag us in it. We'll be able to uh, see that and throw up that question and make sure it gets answered as well. Um, But if again, if you can't catch this live, go ahead and ask that same question, just tag us and we'll make sure we get that squared away. But about our guest today, he has actually been immersed in the world of PPC since 2013 and focused on Amazon specifically since 2015 when he was, uh, when he actually founded AMZ Pathfinder, uh, that back in 2015, he lives in Southern France right now with his girlfriend, uh, their cat, and far too many bicycles. Uh, AMZ Pathfinder is an Amazon agent advertising management agency that works with business selling in North America and Europe, European marketplaces. And Founded in 2015, they've worked with hundreds of businesses across all categories and offer related services such as DSP, Amazon store page creation, and management. Welcome to uh, Crossover Commerce. Brent Zaharnik of AMC Pathfinder. Brent, how are you doing today, sir? Hello, hello. I'm doing well. I'm doing oh well. man, yeah. So you're in Southern France, so that doesn't suck, right? No, <laughs> let's just, no. Let's <laughs> just jump to it. That doesn't suck.
1: <laughs> no, it's um, yeah, yeah. Minus the odd confinements here and there. That's what they call uh, like a lockdown here uh, in French. You know, a confinement. Um, it's been it's been pretty great. Yeah, uh, I've been here for a year. I mean, I haven't even traveled for business or for Amazon conferences or anything, which has been a bit of a bummer. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's like being locked in a really nice prison, I guess.
0: <laughs> well, well, with that being said, what so why why Southern France? Like, what what led you guys? What what made you choose that for people that may may not know your background or story? Well, yeah, why sure. Southern France? Because you're clearly not friends of uh, uh, French uh, little, no. the accent. So <laughs> no, I'm, from Eastern,
1: I'm from Eastern Pennsylvania originally. So if anyone knows Allentown, Bethlehem, Eastern area, that's where I'm from. Um, uh, and you're in Indy,
0: right? So I'm in Indy. Percent. My wife, my wife actually uh, was born in Redding, uh, Pennsylvania. So oh, she, I think you mentioned is, that before. Yeah, Yeah. Yep, that's right. So she uh, yeah. has family in uh, Eastern Pennsylvania. So if you're watching anyone from Eastern Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, <laughs> Dutch country, might I add, uh, hello right. everyone <laughs>
1: yeah hello hello pennsylvania or hello pa pennsylvania.
0: Just, yeah just pa specifically yeah just pa
1: um so anyway why why france i mean um uh my girlfriend's french so i ended up here uh okay with her pretty much that's, follow, that's follow the girlfriend
0: that's smart that's very yeah. smart
1: yeah and we got together in 2017 and i moved here like a little bit into that year um and i've been here ever since that's amazing so what uh what part of france actually
0: like you say something uh, we, france, we like that's a big variant
1: called... Yeah, we live in a town called Montpellier, which is, um, I don't know, maybe seventh or eighth largest city in France. It's not like uh, Paris or Lyon or one of the more famous ones like Marseille, uh, but it's uh, on the southern coast. It's you know about 15 kilometers from the Mediterranean. Weather here is great. Never snows. Um one thing I don't want to see ever again in my life is snow. I'm not a winter sports person. <laughs> I'm a Man, cyclist and I like the hot you're, weather. So
0: you're, you're yeah. speaking to, is big to someone who hates winter, but I live in the Midwest. So we have like 10 different seasons. So it's, it, it, it's terrible. I think we're finally in the clear for spring and then it will get like boiling hot here in the next week or two. So boiling hot is good. Yeah, <laughs> <I like> boiling, <laughs> boiling hot is good. Yeah. Ex- yeah. That, that's, that's very true. So Southern France, you're operating business that is globally though. AMC Pathfinder right. is not just France. Uh, it's not in the United States, but you have team globally. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me a little bit. I'm curious, like running a business cause you, you founded this back, uh, you know, quite a few years ago now, 2015, according yeah. to your bio. So before we lead into like what it's like leading a remote team, what was kind of that transition from running ads? You, I think your background was in Google for ads first. Um, was it always in the digital space or did you like lead up into and find Amazon along the way?
1: Yeah. I kind of came to Amazon from a funny, um, from a funny channel. So I had been doing Google for a few years. I worked at a B2B agency. Um, I ended up actually living in Florida in a totally unrelated industry. I worked, you know, not in digital marketing at all. Uh, and that while I was there, I made a friend who, uh, was selling on Amazon. He asked me to help him with Amazon ads. And he's like, Oh, you know, about digital advertising, don't you? He knew I had some background I was like, yeah, sure. So I took a look at it and started to, um, you know, manage his campaigns. And this was, you know, the first half of 2015. So sponsored products as a ad type had only launched in 2014. Or maybe very very late 2013. Someone might want to fact check me on that, uh, but it still was like an absolute uh, you know baby. It was just in its birth, uh, and it was super basic. And I was like, well, this platform has a lot of possibility, and the ROI that we were getting with just those simple campaigns for the products that he was selling um, w- was like outstanding. So I was like, there's there's like something here. There's got to be some traction to this. So I started doing consulting, I started, you know, setting up like a basic LLC. I got clients from Facebook groups, you know, uh, just started kind of finding people I could help wherever I could, however I could. And so it's always been a remote first enterprise. And so when I started actually hiring people, which was late 2016, um, just a couple people here and there never really had an ambition to grow like a massive, massive agency. Um, uh. Yeah, we were just remote. There there was no, like, oh, we're going to go have an office in Philadelphia or, uh, you know, in Paris or whatever. Yeah, it was always, like, we're remote first, and this is how we're going to be. So, of course, when the whole COVID thing happened and everyone went remote, Uh, you know, I was, like, the remote hipster. I was doing it before. It was cool. I was going to say,
0: you were probably (laughs) laughing at people who were, like, yeah, another business day in the office for us. Like, Well, I just uh... thought
1: that there's a whole enterprise that exists now where people can um, you know, sell courses and knowledge and eBooks and training on how to be a remote company. And like, if I didn't have this company, maybe that's what I would do because I know a lot about it. I feel pretty comfortable to say like, I'm you know pretty comfortable running a remote team. We have a very strong culture. Uh, we're very like tied together when we do have meetups. It's, it's wonderful. It really feels cool to see each other in person. And last year that obviously didn't happen, but this year we're, we're planning on it for hopefully late summer, some somewhere in Europe, if we can make it happen.
0: So yeah it, and, th- and this is kind of the the interesting and weird thing um you know obviously with with hopefully like a year plus now into this, I say into this, like it'll mm-hmm. maybe never go away It'll like it's like a book, bookmark or a new chapter into what society and business is gonna look like. That being said, we won't go like political, we won't go like personal or anything like that, but now that people have learned certain things, people are really starting to either come back. you see a lot more events being pushed, you see a lot more like mm-hmm. in person stuff and whatnot. Why? why should, why should businesses stay remote only? Like wh- what's your, what's your top reasons that you tell people, actually, you might see you should stay remote only because of X, Y, Z.
1: That's a good question. Um, I think for me, uh, it has to do with the actual output and productivity of team members, so I know personally, I'll just speak from my own experience. I'm someone who in the early afternoon, I have like an energy level crash. And sometimes after like lunch, I'll take a nap. I could never do that in an office <laughs> or at least not like an uh, like office like Google where like people actually do that, I think. Um, but then what that allows me to do. Yeah. yeah, they're nap pods. And I'm not sure if that's one of those things that like they give as a perk to employees and then people don't actually use it because they're scared to be like that guy napping at work, you yeah. know?
0: Uh, I have something on Shark Tank too. Like they were doing like retail napping stores and they're like, do people actually do this during lunch? And people are like, yeah, they go home and, you know, sleep during lunch or something like that. And I go, I I mean, that's the whole conundrum, right? Like what's too much? Like, are you taking too much company time? Should you be working so on and so forth? But anyways, sorry to cut you off.
1: No, but I think people need to, recognize when their energy levels are, are, you know, peaking and when they're in valleys and then accommodate their work schedule according to that. Like I'm really good early in the morning. I can get up, uh, you know, 730. I can start working immediately until one o'clock. Uh, sometimes I won't eat breakfast. Sometimes I will. It's up to me. You know, <laughs> I don't have to worry about it. And then in that early afternoon period, I'm not doing anything. And then at night, I'm good again. We have some people on the team who like to work till two in the morning. That's up to them. I mean, that was <laughs> me last night, man. I was up it till it. three
0: in the morning. I was up till three in the morning just like hammering out emails. I think like I saw your post and like I commented on it. I was like, he's gonna think I'm a crazy person. I'm on the East Coast <laughs> and it's three in the morning. <laughs> oh, and it's I liked I'm like it. eight, eight hours like ahead
1: of you or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 mean, I think like
0: understand. maybe five, <laughs> but even still, like that's that's really sad on my end. I was like, my god, like people don't think I sleep. My team still doesn't think I sleep, but um yeah, well, that's the thing, right? Is like people have to live according to their life, and it's not strict. You see more and more data coming out mm-hmm. in this. Um, and I know this is not our exact topic, but I'm just curious from someone who's done it for so long is that people's lives aren't are and flowed and they are not conducive, actually, like health wise, to a nine to five. Like you have yeah, so much mm-hmm. other, like eat late dinner or lunches or early breakfasts, or you have kids or you have like other, your productivity level. It's a psychology, right? It's like when you're yeah. actually productive, you're a morning person. I do all my work like late night, like I'm hammering out emails, creating yeah. podcasts, like templates and stuff like that. Uh, It's stuff like that where it's so hard to just like push people into. But now you're starting to see people like, hey, when are you coming back? Like when when into the office? What do you think is really important for like so many businesses to feel like they have to have people in a physical location?
1: I think it's because they don't have good systems in place that will allow them to ensure that people's productivity and motivation is kept up at a distance. So. Since we've always been a remote first company, that's a part of our culture and is built in. Like expectations for people to be self-motivated, self-driven, self-accountable, and kind of like do what they say they'll do without someone watching over their shoulder. Uh, I think a lot of like uh, people, management bosses, whatever companies, they want to have this, uh, you know, thing that makes them feel better. Where they can sit over your shoulder as the employee and like, you know, uh, (laughs) you guys, you ever see office space where the guy stops by with the mug and he's like...
0: Yeah.
1: Jim, how's it going? Like this kind of situation.
0: TPS reports on my desk by the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff TPS like that.
1: reports. Yeah. People want to be able to badger you about the TPS reports when in reality, I think that the the future of work, and I do think that COVID has accelerated some areas of society. You know, the future is here. It's just unevenly distributed. I think that's Kevin Kelly, you know, founder of Wired Magazine or uh, some, some of other tech luminary like that. The idea that, uh, yeah, we've moved ahead 10 years in some of these things. So these companies that are more traditional that have that office space, they want to use it. And I don't think they fully understand how to have a remote first um, company. Um, So that's why they want people to come back because they want to be able to feel better about that. And maybe those people, uh, you know, they haven't been a part of that remote culture. So, yeah, they are less productive. because They're not they're not, you know, experts in that. And how could you be in six months? It takes uh, a lot of time to learn that
0: right and again according to your job description or whatever your requirements are whether it's a service or whether it's a a business that requires you know constant like monitoring that that functionality may not actually be conducive like Mm -hmm. we're not telling people hey everyone go remote first but in this regards i think it did shine a light on a lot of people like i was afraid to go remote 100 and for a full year now i've been remote and i think i've done more networking more i've been more productive (laughs) i'm not like talking to like people like across my desk, like, hey, did you see this like random show? Or did you hear this news? Or did you look at Twitter? Like, I feel like we don't feel I don't fill my time with as much like time wasting activity instead of, you know, like, I want to be at home. Like if I leave my office, like this is my office in my home. If I walk out these doors, then I can like, go make lunch for my son who's on spring break, or I can go you know, take a run or someone do yard work for an hour, come back in, refresh, and then come back into it. So that's yeah, really cool. the exercise cool.
1: piece is huge too, because like I, I go out for a midday cycle sometimes or a walk or whatever, and that is huge. And just think of all the, um, you know, resources saved by not commuting, like all the cars that are not sitting in traffic,
0: all the CO2 not being burned in the form of gas or diesel. Yeah, it just, <laughs> it's, it just sounds like right. a good deal. Right. And that, that was the things like people weren't driving as much. So you see insurance companies, like obviously you're giving back money because you weren't on the road as much. You were, I mean, there's all these like, like good things. Also, I know people are itching to like get back in network with people. I, I know that that's a component of relationship building as well. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I'm saying like,
1: yeah, I'm not saying where, that where are events you, are bad. Yeah, exactly. I think events are great actually. And I can't actually, wait to fantastic. go back to events. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. There's a lot of the best things that events happens not exactly in the room where you're watching the conference or the talk, although those are great. But like uh, you know, I call it the hallway track. It's like you talk to people after the talks real, or before the talks. Real or, clubhouse,
0: right? <laughs> yeah, basically. Real yeah. Life <laughs> <laughs> that's what I say. Like, I know that's what they say, like uh clubhouses is, is it's a conference of sorts. Uh just think about it as the main stage side yeah. ones, and then you have like hallways and whatnot. But yeah, that's awesome. So thanks for that take on like remote first. Um uh, so Amazon ads, I know like we're talking display we're talking uh you know we're talking all these other different kind of components of video ads and whatnot and there's an interesting piece on marketplace polls they actually said like all the organic space on a product listing is almost completely gone besides the uh feature or not feature products of uh, the uh, uh frequently bought by or not even frequently bought by bought together section yeah, really of the listing but everything else is an ad uh so yeah. with that being said you've seen this transformation from almost everything is organic and hey, push SEO, push SEO. Make sure it's like ranked well. Now it's all product placement, product ads, and whatnot. What's that transition like for you guys? And how have you kind of like stayed ahead of the curve, if you will?
1: Yeah. One other thing to add on to that idea, I think that Amazon is getting a little bit greedy with the ad placements. Um, I think there, this is like a pendulum, wherein uh, sometimes it's swinging more towards organic, and then it's going to swing back over towards ad placements and uh ad inventory taking up huge percentages of detail pages and um, the home page and amazon's talking a lot more now about ads on the home page because they're trying to sell that as a huge opportunity which it is uh, i was talking to someone from amazon the other day apparently 83% of people who go on amazon start their shopping just by going to the home page so it's like .com you know .de whatever and then they go from there now, if they sit around and look at the ads, I don't know, it's debatable, but they they start their searches from there, right? So they go to the homepage right. first, which makes sense. Um, but my point is, I think they are getting a little bit too greedy with the ad placements and they're going to have to uh, you know, swing that pendulum a little bit back the other direction pretty soon because as that article mentioned, I read that same one, yeah, like everything is basically an ad <laughs> on Amazon. And it now is. as someone who's responsible for ad yeah. management, like you'd think that I'd be super stoked about that, but actually- we don't want customer sentiment to be against advertising. Advertising is something that plays a role in the ecosystem. It's not supposed to be the ecosystem in its entirety. Uh, there has to be great opportunities for discovering things uh, organically or uh, by other mechanisms like posts and comparisons and stuff like that. So I am uh, you no. know, worried that maybe ads will be too much of it. And I think Amazon should pull back a little bit on that.
0: Yeah, and that's a good point because like adds to a point like on Google, right? You would always have, like in the very beginning of SEM, it used to be highlighted. Like it was legitimate, like call to action or like, these are ads. And then when they took away that, that, that functionality of like the color displacement of this is an ad and like, they started removing like sponsored and whatnot. People are like, well, what's the point of highlighting or an ad when it's literally just becoming an organic placement in and of itself. I mean, I know why you and I know why, because those entities want, money and people to click on those that being said like you have a very good point of mentioning hey the effectiveness of an ad one if everything's an ad the effectiveness of a certain one might go away entirely um or not have as much of a punch so for walking through because there's so many different kinds you guys feature in all of them are you guys are specializing in more one versus another what are your guys's like go-to like we crush these kinds of ads. Like we know the ins and outs of it. And you know, we excel at these kinds of placements.
1: Well, as an agency, we work with all ad types. I mean, we right. have to, I don't think we have a choice to, to sit around and like pick one or the other and be like, no, we don't do this one, we do that one. Uh, but the most exciting ones, I think in 2021, and uh, this is what Amazon is communicated to us about, you know, what they think are the biggest things they're gonna push would be sponsored display and sponsored brand video. Uh, and specifically, the different creative types that are available for sponsored brands and sponsored display. So uh, sponsored display maybe is the first one to really talk about because this is a display ad type. However, with Amazon's um, system inside of uh, advertising console, you know their main ad ad panel, uh, there are both CPC and CPM cost models. So that is to say, um, they're still, putting out display ads and then judging it based on like impressions, but they're doing it based on cost per click, which is a bit unusual. Typically with any kind of display ad, you're gonna say, all right, let's charge per impressions. You know, this is a CPM, which is basically cost per thousand impressions of this. uh, And that's how we're gonna charge you. But for their product targeting types, which is like categories and ASINs, they do CPC. And for the foreseeable future, that's what they're gonna do. I got you know some information about that just the other day. For the audience targeting, which is like the new one, um, and this is like borrowing from Amazon's DSP platform, which is like a, a different platform, which right, is all display advertising.
0: Yeah, it's a whole whole different animal, a whole other beast. Yeah. we're actually talking with uh, Joe from uh, Ad Advance next week about it, and I titled it "Talk DSP to Me," like, uh, like it's a dirty like little <laughs> thing. Like people are like getting excited about it. It's like this whole new thing, and I was like. I, I'm gonna have fun with this title. So it's uh, very, okay. it's very complex. It's Definitely very titled complex. it. Joe, if you're listening to this, uh that's why I named our show next week. So we're gonna talk about that. He- heads up, time. heads up. There's <laughs> a little bit of like uh a little DSP, teaser. fifty shades of DSP going on. <laughs> well, and that's one thing. I mean, that that's that's in and of itself is a huge crazy conversation. So I'm glad we we're talking about this other stuff, but you said like sponsor sure. display, even let's Amazon warm up the you, audience a little bit. Yeah, the swarm of yeah, yeah. So think
1: about this. I mean, um, the way that Amazon is seeing sponsored displays, it's like a mini DSP. So they want to be able to have audiences uh, inside of advertising console that are similar to those you can find in DSP. So DSP has many different ways you can build audiences. You can do ASIN based ones. You can do ones with lifestyle. um, You can do ones with uh, demographics, uh, you know, based on like age and gender and all kinds of stuff. So you're going to be able to target more and more of these things with sponsor display in quarter two and beyond. Um, I can't can't reveal all the specific details because I think there's some things that I've heard from people at Amazon. They probably wouldn't be happy if I just repeated (laughs) on like a public show. But the idea is, uh, you know, in the interface pretty soon, you're going to be able to see some new stuff with audience targeting. And we're really stoked about that um, because we use DSP as well. Uh, but this is, like I said, the mini DSP. So we're going to get some of these top line features, and they're going to be continued, uh, you know, iterative, iterative improvements to them as the quarter goes on, as the weeks go on here.
0: So is it is this a placement that would be very much on the product product page, or would this be more like in category placements and things like that?
1: Yeah, that's what's cool about it. So DSP shows up. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> See, I'm already making the mistake. Product display does okay. show up on the uh, product detail page. Yeah, absolutely. So. There's a couple, um, the one that's probably most notable is what they call, um, top, top stripe. I think it's like at the very top of the page above the product image, you actually have to use custom creative in order to be eligible for that slot. If you don't have a custom logo and a headline, you won't show up there at all. Um, and then they have the slots like a uh, product page center. I think it's called a product page, right? That's the one that's underneath, uh, the buy box area it was traditionally, right. uh, occupied by, I think what's called product display ads back in the day, which is like, a. The antecedent to um, these uh, uh, sponsored display.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say it's it's already uh, passed and uh, no longer the uh, no longer the bell of the ball, if you will. It's kind of been moved on from. Uh, it's gone. It's <laughs> gone. Yeah. And actually, if you talk to someone from Amazon, you're like, "Is this like product display
1: ads?" They'll they'll like go like this. They're like, "No, no, don't talk about that. We don't want to talk about it because like a new, they're
0: it's a new name, it's Yeah, de-
1: it's dead. It's dead. They don't want to ever talk about it ever again."
0: So Um, what was so bad about that? Like, from your point of view, was it a bad placement? Was it a good one? And they just... Oh no, the placement is
1: fine, and the placement still exists. It's just that that ad type was uh, very limited, so it had very, it had very little visibility. It almost, almost no reporting, Um, and you can only target one ASIN at a time, and only have one ASIN in your um, campaign at a time. Um, Mm. So you had to build them at tremendous scale to get any kind of. like uh, you know, any kind of scale to it, so you had to build like fifty right. campaigns to target like uh, to target fifty of your own products, which is like not super sustainable. One of the best practices that Amazon um, likes to put out there for sponsored displays, I say, add a bunch of products to it. You know, don't just add like all from the same parent ASIN, which is interesting because uh, when it comes to advertising, we try to segment things out as much as possible, typically to get better data. Right. But the way that they uh, actually advocate you to use it is, hey, you know, uh, I think they say 10 products is like what they recommend putting in there. So uh, that'll give you a better chance of something being matched up. And yes, they will show on product display. Uh, They will show um, on the Amazon homepage. And what's cool about sponsored displays, some ad types will show off Amazon. So this is like a new thing. You can reach off Amazon ad placements through uh, advertising console, uh, campaigns. You know, you can't do that with sponsored products. You can't do that with sponsored brands. Um, but you can do that with sponsored display. Now, where do you show up? Uh, the reports aren't really good yet. (laughs) So we don't know all the details just quite yet with DSP. You can go in there and look at exactly where your things are showing up and you can get all kinds of information to slice and dice. But like I said, this is the mini DSP, you know, we're not there yet.
0: Well, you brought up a good point. Um, I don't know if you guys look at organic traffic and uh, are comparing it to ad campaigns and whatnot. And I've always heard from like agencies and whatnot. there's no there's no credible or best practice information in terms of organic placement and how well one's doing. And you can compare the lift of a, a sponsored display ad or a video ad and whatnot. Does that make sense to you? Like, why do do you guys have any sort of insight, or are you able to create any sort of data organic traffic versus in conversions versus paid traffic and conversions?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, that's a that's a tough answer because there's a couple uh, facets to that. The first one I would say is there was a time on Amazon some years ago where you could dump a bunch of money into an individual keyword, and that would help your rank because you're just spending a bunch against it what Amazon is more concerned with now is click-through rate and conversion rate. So if your keyword is not really matched well with uh, the product and you're you know, dumping hundreds of dollars, hundreds of euros a, a week into it, um, only if it's really converting well and there's a good click-through rate, are you gonna see any kind of noticeable impact on organic? And my personal theory is that that matters less than it used to, actually. I think that your spending for ads is, has a less of an impact than it used to for organic rank. That's not to say that it doesn't help it, Um, but I would say if you're like launching a new product, for instance, uh, you would be wise to rely on an email list or a Facebook pixel and like some giveaways and other methods to get inertia and to juice the rank, um, and to move units rather than just PPC. Our most effective launches we do with clients are following our own procedure we have for 2021, which we revised, you know, just a couple months ago, uh, to update for this year, uh, along with some kind of external uh, rank pushing, or like uh, you know, like I said, giveaways, some, something like that. Those two things in combination are typically the most effective for um, yeah. launches. Now, uh, the question of like how does it affect organic? I mean, uh, I think that the next tool that we're going to be using, um, and the next thing we're going to be uh, looking at more closely, is basically. Uh, uh, an ability to see, okay, the organic rank for this has dropped below uh, position 10. So let's increase the bid incrementally by 2%. Um, or the organic rank for this product is right now at one. So let's decrease the bid by 3%. So we're not like over investing on in ads when something is already ranking number one organically, and mm-hmm. vice versa, if something is doing you know, less well organically, we're going to increase the bid to try to uh, you know, get it further up the page. Cause what is advertising really? It's just exposure to the right people. So we would have increase the exposure if we can, um, what based what on it, an organic.
0: So that's fascinating because like, obviously you're just playing almost like the stock markets of <laughs> it, almost, uh, of like conversions, right? Because you're doing so well, you don't want to keep overspending because you're doing that regards. Uh, are you doing well in terms of conversions? Um, so that being said, we have Amazon display or uh, Amazon display ads, which you can kind of, we kind of touched a little bit about that. And then mm-hmm. you have the different component of like display would be like either your product or, you know, you're featuring, you know, reviews and stuff like that. Uh, th- those are all kind of like you can do different things along those regards. With video ads is a little more different. It's more creativity. It's how you place it. it. It can really, really make you pop even more than just a stag mm-hmm. image. Do you guys do any sort of like ad? video creation or are you guys just working on like the, the emphasis and the placements of it in, in, in its entirety? Yeah. Most of our clients
1: are to the size or um, I would say team, like team size, just, you know, size that they have video assets uh, ready for us to use. And if they don't, we will push them to get them made. Uh, gotcha. And there is a difference between having video that, Uh, Let's say you had shot for your brand that you're using for many different reasons. Like we can make Instagram videos, we can make Facebook videos, we can make Amazon videos. And then just saying, oh yeah, let's make a video that's expressly cut for Amazon, which has, you know, a lot of the same requirements in terms of like bit rate and like file size and resolution, all that stuff. It's Mm -hmm. pretty normal. Um, But Amazon does have guidelines for what you can and can't say in there. And we've had clients that said, hey, here, let's do a basic iteration of this and have like a basically like a video slideshow made. And this is our video for Amazon. And in many cases, that can work just fine, actually. Um, okay. you know, like some kind of templatized thing.
0: <laughs> What's that? I grimaced at first because I was like, I, I don't know, like a, just a slideshow, something sliding through. But you're saying that it's actually converting? You'd be surprised. Yeah, yeah. If you have a
1: really good, nice shot of the, the um, product and you have like uh, some basic bullet points with features and stuff. In fact, there's right. even something called VCB, Video Creative Builder, that is built into DSP. And that allows you to make templatized uh, video assets for DSP. Uh, One thing we've discovered is you can actually uh, make those video assets uh, for, you know, whatever ASIN you put in there. And you can export that video and you can actually upload that and use that for sponsored brands video and advertising console. We've had some luck doing that. Um, Usually it gets disapproved by Amazon. You have to like remake it because they're real picky about the way you put in text and stuff like that. Right. Um, but those slideshows are 15, 30 seconds long. There's two different temp- lengths of templates you can make. And those are from Amazon. I mean, those are like their recommended format for it. You can customize things like colors and they even have some like background music. It's like <laughs> Amazon generated like music. music,
0: yeah, gee, like elevator music or something like that. Like it's a little bit better shopping. than
1: that. But the reality is most people who see these videos, Ryan, they're looking at them on their mobile devices of, of some kind and Not they're wearing headphones and don't, they haven't tapped to enable the sound. So if there's a voiceover, people aren't hearing it. You should always have subtitles. Um, that's one thing we've learned for sure. Subtitles definitely. And uh, you know we work a lot with the EU. So if you have a video that's in English, you put that in the German marketplace. Guess what? It's going to get disapproved. So you have to have subtitles in German or a voiceover in German or both uh, in order to you know make it pass muster. But the I, I would say that that's the main constraint with video ads right now. People are afraid to invest in. Um, in getting them made, but really, if you have video assets already, you can cut it together. You can use some kind of software to make a simple kind of slideshow thing as a basic proof of concept. And if that reflects well enough on your brand identity and you're comfortable putting that up there, you think it's you know to your to your specifications, go for it. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Get it. Get it. Go and start testing right away. Yeah.
0: Well, we talked. We talked about um, localization yesterday with a professor from St. Louis University, and his asset or his knowledge was you know think of think of this whole community as e-business, not just e-commerce, because for you guys, I'm assuming you guys have to think about this a lot. It's, I really like bringing it to the forefront now that I've really, really thought about it even more is you have to, depending on your market, each culture, each religion, each like who your target is entirely, is going to be different in each marketplace that you're in. Like you said, Hey, Germany is going to have specific, Spe- have specific specifications, or you know, mm-hmm. you're going to try to highlight different things. If it's in the Middle East, you can't show certain colors, or you can't show certain facets of, like, um depending on like religion or like what they're where they're really coming from from a cultural perspective. How do you, as an agency, when you're thinking about all these places, because you guys work on the global level, right? You're not just working with .dot com or in Europe. You're talking about global. Uh, ads how do you keep that in the back of your mind of who's our actual target audience and how are we going to be hitting them at the core level not just like hey this is the product and this is what we have to give you it's how do you make it relatable to them in that regard that's a
1: great question yeah and um I think to be totally clear about the geos we work with, we are really focused in the EU and North America. We do work with the UAE and Australia and a couple others for clients that have that as like an ancillary marketplace. But those marketplaces are so small right now, like uh, you know, any of the Middle East marketplaces are so small right now, it's very hard to say we have a lot of traction there. Um, you know, it's just a minimal aspect i would think one of the one of the core thesis that i have uh, in in this company is like hiring people who are uh, native speakers or fluent speakers of all the major languages that we work with so then they have some cultural context in addition to the language knowledge to make sure that when they write a headline it's like grammatically good and like it looks good to someone who's a native speaker um, instead of having someone run it through like translation or like google translate or something like that right so i think we try to address it from that angle but I think, uh, yeah, maybe maybe we don't think enough about some of these other things. Like you mention colors. Uh, I, you know, I, I personally have not thought about oh, well, what colors are unattractive to somebody who's maybe uh, in India. You know, because we are right. starting to do more work with Indian clients, and I'll admit I, I don't know too much about like that culture. Um, and as
0: I understand we, it, there's you know many cultures in India. <laughs> it's
1: not just one. It's many languages, is, yeah. many cultures.
0: And this is yesterday, and he's like consulted for like you know, we walked through a couple of live uh, examples and people are tuning into this or listening to this uh, from yesterday's episode. You walk through just a simple case study of like, look at Kentucky Fried Chicken. And I was like, mm-hmm. wait, Kentucky Fried Chicken localizes? Like that sounds silly. But we looked at their, uh, their China website and it was different colors that you don't see the traditional red, white, and that's it. You see like different colors pop. You see imagery of like Kung Fu paint. I mean, like you see appropriate like, uh, focuses and imagery that are talking, uh, you know, delivery on like mopeds or yeah. scooters or whatever they call them over there. Um, right. how, how, it's laid out on a page right versus left. If you're in a, um, in a country that that's the direction that you're, you're reading an ad or right. how it's I mean, your laid out on a mobile, yeah. how, how it's drawn. Exactly. So we just did very simple, you know, mm-hmm. case studies and, you know, even on Amazon, I know they, they, they do that too. They're, they're rolling out to different marketplaces and whatnot And India is a really mm-hmm. unique case study because if you're in like the grocery market or like, or the grocery sector or anything like that, you have to be conscientious of, Hey, do people eat certain kinds of foods and how are you going to display it? Is family important? Do we need to highlight just women or men or children or, or whatever that looks like? And I, and I just thought to myself, I was, I was like, maybe we're not thinking about it in that regards, even more like, maybe that has a lift of some component. Um, mm-hmm. But you, as a brand, that's even more important now, more than ever, especially in a world of you know, we 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 accelerated five ten years in e commerce. So yeah, no, I agree. It, yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, some
1: that's some pretty nuanced uh, consideration there. I, I I agree with that. And I think actually one area that Amazon falls a little bit flat is they they don't really change what they do too much marketplace to marketplace. Uh, like the Amazon homepage in any language looks strikingly similar. Uh, right. Like I was checking out the Polish one you know, recently because that launched just like a month ago. And uh, a lot of people in Poland are accustomed to shopping on Amazon already. They buy from the German site. I'm sure uh, they might buy from other European sites, depends. Um, and same thing is true with like the Czech Republic and you know Switzerland, these people are already shopping on Amazon. But if they launch like a Swiss Amazon <laughs> or like a Polish one, it doesn't look very different at all from the German one, which doesn't look very different from the American one. And I feel like they just have kind of, not really updated some of their e-commerce experience as a company, um, and some of it's still stuck in like uh, you know 2005. However, uh, it seems to work pretty well. <laughs> so right. uh, maybe I mean, you know, they, they, they continue to do testing and they decide, hey, we don't need to change this and. Uh, you can't assume that everybody is like as advanced as an e-commerce consumer as like you or I are, who like think about this stuff all the time. A lot of people, right. uh, you know, the simple layout of Amazon for them is familiar, and it gets the job done. And they click, 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 and they buy, and there you go. So they don't need was, uh, yeah. fancy stuff.
0: I was gonna say the most recent update I've seen is on their mobile app. To be on, I mean, like they changed the icon, which is in it's so, uh, in of itself ridiculous. The controversy around that that stuff. But that. anyways. <laughs> imagery. For people who are listening and uh, watching, if you didn't know, they changed an icon on Amazon mobile app and the feedback when they initially released it was that the tape looked like, or the icon itself looked like a Hitler mustache, which is of course not a good, this is the first thing you think of when you look at a global one, like the highest branded, you know, product or company in the world. You don't want to think about that instantly and they like change it pretty quickly to a folding piece of tape, which it looks better anyways, but the fact that people are looking at that and that's instantly what their feedback is, is kind of concerning, but here we are <laughs> uh, in, a, in a society. Of, I didn't even see the initial one until people were like, you saw articles on Twitter or um, on these publications that called it out. So k- kudos for right. them for catching that or feeling that that was necessary to, to do. Anyways, um, yeah, yeah, the mobile app is the w- most recent thing that I've seen change in terms of like functionality. It seems pretty clean. Uh, it feels mm-hmm. a little bit more like you can find, you can find your your account a little bit easier. You can find order history a little bit easier, yeah. and then also just the just how how it's laid out for you. It seems a lot more clean. Um, and of things been, come to mobile yeah. first.
1: Actually, going back to the right. um, the sponsored brand stuff to talk about the creative. Um, yeah, please. Do. Right now, you know, uh, many of the audience is probably familiar with sponsored brands. Right, it's one of the major ad types that we've available to us in advertising console. When you create a sponsored brands campaign, at least in the US and most European marketplaces, I imagine it's most places in the world now, you have the ability to add custom creative, which is basically a nice big lifestyle image you can plop in there and then that will show up. So for a while that was showing up on desktop. And I don't know if anyone else has noticed this, Um, I'm sure ad ad people have, but that has stopped showing up on desktop for a while now. Um, They are going to, as I understand it, re-add that in the future, and basically bring it back uh, into like a more advanced beta before it's released publicly. But what's what's interesting is it's still and always has been present in the mobile app. So if you search for um, you know, some major keyword and you see a sponsored brands at the top of the mobile search results and mm-hmm. it has a beautiful image, if you search that same exact keyword or search term and you see that inside the Amazon.com on your desktop, uh, like your laptop, you, you might see the same exact ad, but you will not see that creative that goes along with it. So I think that there's a push um, and Amazon in general towards more visual ad types. I mean, video is obviously very visual, but this uh, creative, this custom creative is very visual. Sponsored display, you can use custom creative, although at this time it's just a logo and uh, some like text, but I know they're gonna have uh, some kind of like uh, lifestyle images and stuff to upload in there for sure. They're gonna add that eventually. So these more visual ad types are, you know, a lot of cases mobile first or they stay on mobile, um, mm-hmm. but also are coming to desktop. So just another like, uh, thing we should expect to see in this year for sure.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. I have two takeaways from that one. How frustrating is it for you from an ad agency perspective if they take something away and then like a year or two later, they bring it back almost the exact same thing. They just read I mean, it the again, story calls of
1: the calls in. Display in general. It, it was first introduced years ago. They killed it. It brought it back for a brief time. They killed it again. Uh, yeah, so it's, and the thing is each time that happens, A lot of our clients have an experience with it that's not good so we have to uh kind of encourage them to retry it once we've tried it with other accounts and said actually no it it works now we tried it over here uh look at the results we got or like you know let's try it in your account let's put a little bit of budget towards it and they're like they begrudgingly accept it then when it works of course they're into it but you know it's like burn me twice you know i don't want to go for a third time (laughs) so amazon has to be careful and not burn their like equity with this stuff sometimes
0: It's like taking a spoonful of sugar and helping that medicine go down. Like you feel better afterwards, but it's like the taste of it. No, boy, no. Like, uh, but in in that regards, well, that's the thing is like, Amazon keeps like saying like, we take it away. People liked it and then they bring it back again, repackaging it. Is there another, like, do you, do they, do they do that for any particular reason or do you just think like it just doesn't work right? So they just pull the the entire program all together, Or is it just like to keep things quote unquote fresh? if you will.
1: Uh, I don't think it's in the interest of keeping it it fresh. I I think that it's, Amazon is a very, very powerful and very, very large company, but a lot of the departments don't talk to each other. And I kind of think about them like an aircraft carrier. Like, you know, we as an agency are like a, a small boat. We can turn around really quickly. We can, you know, tack into the wind if we need to, we can hit, we can go over big waves. But Amazon is not affected by waves. <laughs> they're an aircraft carrier you know they can get hit by missiles and they still keep floating right it doesn't matter but it's mm-hmm. also extremely hard for them to turn around you know so when they make a decision they're going to go some direction with like something like sponsored display. That's a lot of departments and a lot of people and a lot of internal politics and stuff that needs to be aligned and consensus for something to go through and happen and if it's not well received or there's some kind of public perception that's not good or it's not ready, and the, the plug gets pulled. I think it takes a long time for it to come back and around. Um, so I think we're on like the third attempt with sponsored display, but it's definitely here to stay this time. Uh, gotcha. they, they've seem to be fully committed to it. Um, I think they've done a much better job than they ever have in the past. So I'm I'm very into it.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm curious to you. You, you said a couple of different things. Like you said that they have a decision like whatever as like a, at the very top level with Jeff Bezos now leaving and you bring in a new CEO. That is Amazon was web services focused for so long and ideologies are definitely going to be different a little bit. I would think, uh, where do you think that's beneficial to maybe the third party seller or even the technology that's going to roll up for sellers here. Moving forward, people leaning more into DSP, maybe more into ads or even where innovation's happening. Do you think that's going to really be more tech focused or like ad focused? Like what? What do you think that would be coming from his mind? Of I think his name last name is, is it Cassie or Kate. Uh, I I don't want to butcher the name, but
1: <laughs> Jassy.
0: Jassy, sorry. Yeah, you're and right. If, um, if my memory serves correct, yeah. Um, but like you know what I mean? Like it, like you have you have this background, and it's all it's sir. I mean, it's server based web services. is technology AI based. Do you think that starts to lean, lean in towards like, hey, this is the top of almost like a transition of presidents, right, or a new administration, you have your mm-hmm. top priorities coming in and saying, listen, this is how things are run now, or like, even though it's still Jeff Bezos, the company, how mm-hmm. do you think ideology and kind of like, these are our first 100 days of in office this is where we're going to, to. <laughs> yeah we haven't started
1: our first 100 days countdown for Isn't NASA, that q3 <laughs> it's like
0: q3 is when he's coming on
1: right well it's it's interesting because i think uh, this is similar with like presidents and you know governors and stuff but like a lot of the policies and things that are enacted by a previous person in power don't aren't felt until you know sometime after so the person later, who's yeah. coming in they might get credit for that that happens for everything right but I think that you know the stamp of Bezos is going to be on Amazon for a long time still to come. Same sure. thing with like Steve Jobs. You know, I uh, I worked at Apple when the retail store was many years ago, and um, I was I was actually working the night that Steve Jobs passed. I remember they, they like the the staff came down, the managers came down, we all talked about it and stuff. It was like wow. it was like a pretty big thing to have happened to your boss's 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 boss, right? Some yeah. way up high in the organization. But,
0: but the, the reality end, yeah. is, for
1: years after that, the impact of Jobs was still felt. You know. That was, I want to say 2011. Um, and then, you know, yeah, yeah crazy. I it think for years so after, ago. yeah, it was because I was, you know, that must've been 2011. I think it was October if my memory serves. It was but, around that time. Yeah. Yeah. But my, my point is the, the impact of that was felt for years after, you know, his legacy was still there. And I think that's going to be the case for Bezos. Now that's not to say that Jesse won't, you know, make some, make some things happen right away on the advertising side. For instance, the biggest thing that we've seen in the past six months would be like quality of life improvements. So if you're inside the advertising interface and you're like clicking to make a campaign, they've just like made things like better design. There's more features to help you ease through it. Um, They give you more information when you need it. Uh, It's just like, it's easier to use. You know, we use a lot of software and bulk files. So we spend a lot of time in Excel and the API anyway, so we don't see half that stuff. (laughs) But um, if you're going through the interface and you're using that, uh, man, it's so much nicer. Like I built some campaigns, this past week, one of our team members is off and I was covering an account for him briefly. And uh, yeah, I was like, wow, this is nice. I haven't been here in a while, it looks really nice. Uh, So we are seeing these quality of life improvements. Yeah, it's like they put a new couch in, they got better lighting. Um, So we're definitely seeing that. After many years, I think being, uh, not ignored, by no means ignored, because I mean, the amount of revenue that Amazon makes from ads cannot be be ignored. I mean, it's a huge percentage now and it's growing. But um, they're really, I think, starting to invest in the right places, uh, that are quality of life things behind, uh, besides just like behind the scenes stuff that they don't always necessarily tell us about that might be improvements like for speed or accuracy or whatever. Sure. Uh, but yeah.
0: So, uh, be, you meant we mentioned targeting and like the, the crazy targeting that you can start doing obviously with DSP and like obviously keywords and whatnot. Um, a couple of things I've asked people, do you guys follow any sort of social media trends and maybe apply those to your clients? Uh, you know, products. For example, uh, we we've had Lazar from Sellers Alley on here. You know, mm-hmm. he he t- he's talking really big about TikTok and the new TikTok ads that rolling out. Going to be a big play in his eyes in that regards. Uh, but one of the kind of cool things that I've seen lately is people are searching based upon like social media. Like, if you see a product or you come across it, something simple as like on TikTok, someone's featuring like uh, I think it was Scott Needham. He had. Uh, of, you know, he, he's a seller and he had one of his products being featured and he had, he said something was crazy, like 10,000, uh, product orders. They just search, find, buy basically, uh, that product, but it was like displayed, like find on Amazon. This is what you need to look for. yeah um, yeah do like you pushing for, people
1: towards a certain user pattern, like behavior, but it's all right. Kind of like
0: but German. then at the, but the first, one of the 50 organic top 50 organic searches for January and February I saw was TikTok yoga pants. And it was like the strangest thing, but TikTok was in the phrase. And I was if I was thinking to myself, for two months, that's a solid amount of time. If I caught wind of it earlier, you see like that. If I'm like in the API, like you guys are all the time, and you see that and I have a leggings client or something similar, I think I would be running ad campaigns to that keyword because it's organically, Mm -hmm. it shoots up real quickly and people are searching it for, it might be a quick win potentially. Do you guys
1: that's like huge
0: volume. Right. But do you guys, do you guys follow any sort of that? Or do you think that might have a future impact on like social proof that you can then target that in that regards? That's a really good question, Ryan. And no, we
1: don't have a system in place for following that actively. Like the TikTok leggings is a good one because I, um, I was also, I've read articles about that and how that was like such a big thing. The other one that, um, Comes to mind is during the winter, there's that like Amazon jacket, which is like yet another yeah. one of these products by a Chinese company. That's like, you know, there's a weirdest pretty good quality, decent price. Top seller for like, yeah, and, it, <laughs> and it becomes like a huge like hit that just like is on fire for months. It was what
0: 69 bucks or something like not even expensive. It was not even a branded, yeah. it was nuts. It was, but yeah, like you said, it was, um, yeah, it's one of those things like jacket, but then, but it's weird that people are starting to put like not brands, but like ecosystem sort of funny, like maybe clubhouse becomes like someone talks about and they're like i want to find the clubhouse whatever or like you can mani- yeah. almost manipulate traffic but not like no one's that big like obviously right no brain is that mm. big or no platform is that big but if something's crazy enough or you see like a trend i don't know how quick is it for you guys to flip that on and off for potentially a product that would fit that search volume i, I didn't know if that existed or if that yeah, was I even mean- a worthwhile adventure
1: we have some clients that are clued into trends and will, will follow things on social media, um, and then make products based on that. Um, but there's obviously like a lag time <laughs> because like, you know, you can't just oh, share something overnight. Uh, but some of them, you know, they, they source domestically, they come up with things pretty, pretty quickly based on that, um, and are responding to these demands, but I think that, uh, where we mostly get like most of our wins is like the slow and steady is the incremental is a long-term. That's kind of what we look for with our relationships with clients but also the way that we operate from an advertising perspective there are times to jump on search term trends like the uh, tiktok leggings like i said such a good example you know we have clients that sell apparel and that might have been a good uh keyword to chase and maybe still is but then you have to look at well what's our investment with this term and is this really what these people are looking for because if it's not the same listing that they that they're after i mean they, they may convert they may not so it has to be tested like any other uh, sure. Keyword or search term.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know we're coming close to the top of the hour and I just have a couple more questions before we, we kind of, uh, bounce with it. Cause I know I can talk about this all day and I'm sure you would too, but <laughs> like you said, you have, you have stuff to do later on the day. I know I'm going to be talking about more of stuff like this on clubhouse a little bit later today. I don't know if you'll be there. Um, uh, but that mastermind group, that's really cool. So if you're listening to this, tune into clubhouse later from one to three, um, <laughs> Eastern. Uh, but my gosh, um my the other question I was gonna have what do what do you think like is there a missing component like you worked with Google and you start to see like Google scale back on the cookie side of things, which is huge in terms of like search functionality and very specific data points in terms of targeting audiences look likes things like that mm-hmm. Is that gonna affect and have any carryover effect for Amazon uh, advertising do you think? in terms of like they've set the tone in terms of like targetability and now Google or like or Amazon in this might take suit or take, you know, <clears throat> I think Amazon
1: would be wise to, and this is something that happened with the way they modified their appearance and search for their own brands. Um, like last year, I think they'd be really wise to keep their ear to the ground on um, the way kind of society is, uh, more and more critical of uh, you know big tech and like large kind of like almost you know surveillance capitalism essentially that right. exists right so like big data. Facebook is Facebook is like the the classic example um, uh, I could I could diss on Facebook all day but I think technically it's like connected to StreamYard I don't want to shut, shut me down right at this moment um, yeah it's all right <laughs> but I think that um, they would be wise to be uh, aware of that so Amazon has a tremendous amount of data on first party stuff so like Facebook, you know, people always say this, Facebook knows what you like, Google knows what you search. <clears throat> and what does Amazon know? They know what you buy. So if you're oriented towards more commerce focused uh, stuff, then Amazon is the ticket. That's I think one of the big bets they're making with DSP is they have 20 years of first party data here, you can come use it on our DSP platform, check it out. So if you can learn how to pull those levers correctly and target those people correctly, then you can make, uh, you know, great hay with that and be exposed to the right audiences and, um, you know, <laughs> have a great time with it. So uh, I think that they would be wise to uh, not overstep their bounds on that because they already know so much.
0: Um, do you ever think if, that they would in that regard, do you ever think that they would point people to because the whole Shopify versus Amazon, like is Shopify going to catch up or have mm-hmm. their own like branded like landing page? I know Amazon's main moves and they make behind the scenes moves to to kind of like compete with that do you ever think that Amazon would ever drive traffic to a not purchase, like not purchasing on an Amazon platform? Like I think they just purchased some sort of platform that was a competitor of Shopify. Do you ever think that they would point advertising direction, whether it gets big enough or they get a cut of it or whatever, whatnot that they would point purchases to different um, entities like that?
1: Well, with with DSP, you can do that right now. Um, Right. Yeah. You can do what's called link out, which is like, to non-Amazon products and that's a huge offer of what DSP provides. So for instance if you're Ford, you know, you're not selling a truck on Amazon. Like you can't just go to Amazon and buy a 50 You can buy a house. but you can't anymore.
0: buy a truck yet? What the hell?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I haven't been on amazon.com like shopping around recently. Maybe you can I think you know.
0: can buy a house and I'm I'm all for that. I'm like, "Hey, like if Is I it one of those tiny deal- houses" I guess. Yeah. there are like yeah, prefab yeah. houses or stuff like that, but that's cool. can you believe, can there. you believe the prime shipping, like, of like getting that on your front doorstep when you order the that house? <laughs> that's amazing. Like you have someone show up and they just have to leave on a helicopter or something like that. that would be awesome. <laughs> and then the next person comes to get a package and they put it on the doorstep
1: of that house mistakenly. Just on
0: top of it. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. <laughs> yeah, like, Oh, darn.
0: Um, dual residency right away. So that's right.
1: <laughs> no, but I, I think that, um, I think Amazon is, is increasingly hesitant to like share their customers. wasn't there wasn't there a thing that happened uh, like this week that was basically like Amazon is uh, you know removing more information about sellers from Seller Central so you can't see
0: happened it. on the seventh. It was actually yesterday. Amazon removed yeah. the ability to look out where a store or for sellers to have access to uh, buyer address information mm-hmm. and history. So no longer you can you. Um, get that in your search term reports. You can't find out where people are located anymore. So you can't use that information for like like audiences and so on and so forth. So yeah, uh, the data is no longer available.
1: Right, which is a bit ironic because one of the things you can do in DSP is you can pull in a, a CSV file or Excel file like 20,000 minimum fields of like uh, phone numbers and names and addresses. Curi- and you can make curious a about the timing on, on
0: this, Brent, right? Curious well, about that's, that's been how... a feature for a long time, but I don't know how it correlates well, to this, but when you no longer have that capability in general, and there's only one shiny object that does that, and you need that object to create yeah. more audience share, where is that looks, naturally going to lead people? Right?
1: Looks appealing, I guess. Yeah,
0: I, I guess so. Well, in that regards, yeah, it's. It, there's so many different things. Like I know, I know, Amazon's ads have just become like increasingly more, prop, like, focus. I should say. Mm -hmm. Is there, is there a way that like, do you think that there's a barrier to entry? It's almost too high, like anymore for a seller to get started and like really be profitable from the get go, just because there's so many like spin the spin levels and just trying to stand out. It it doesn't become really equitable for a seller unless you have a $10,000 budget.
1: I I think that um, one thing I hear talked about a lot uh, when when I talk to people about advertising on Amazon is that, oh, CPCs are always getting more expensive. And actually I I disagree with that. That's not true from our own data. And that's not true from other large data sets I've seen. It does vary uh, depending on time of year, depending on the, the, like the sub market, the sub sub niche, whatever you want to call it on Amazon, these things are always in flux. And there are some real constraints uh, like product price, and a conversion rate that everyone who's advertising and has any sense is taking into account. So they're not just gonna keep bidding higher and higher and higher. Now, is it more expensive than it was in 2017? Yes, I think the whole market in general has matured. You know what, we're on Amazon seller 3.0, we're not an Amazon seller 1.0 anymore, where it was like, get thing from Alibaba, put your label on it, garlic press on Amazon, you're good.
0: <laughs> um, you had a cowboy anything. hat and we were like, pew, 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 like throw it on there as a wild west, man. It was uh, pretty much. Pretty it was uh, a uh, look how much money I can make. I just buying random crowd marketing. We're up and, far like, removed from that. And I think that right.
1: if you have a really strong product listing and a great product at a decent price, you can still jump on Amazon, get some initial reviews, and you can still compete in the ad space. It, it's still possible to do that. Cause like I said, there are real constraints on the cost per click that anyone who's trying to run a, you know, sustainable business is paying attention to. So um, yeah, I, is, I think is that there that's still possible.
0: F- final question, is there an industry or is there a category that you guys don't like working with? Um, for example, a uh, good friend, I'm assuming of yours, a uh, good friend of mine, uh, we collaborate a lot like every other week on our mind, like mastermind group is uh, Destiny with Sean. And she mm-hmm. was telling me the other day of like, nutritional supplements are as high as $35 per click and they're playing mm-hmm. that game game with people? Is there ones that you just tell people, like, don't even try? Like, we don't want to mess with this. This is just very – like, if well, you really want us to, like, we will, but it ain't going to be that's, cheap.
1: That's a good example. Um, yeah, a lot of the supplement space is flooded with um, – people who are trying to get in and like build what they think will be a fairly, really large business uh, without realizing that the cost structure on Amazon is as it is. And the advertising in in that specific area is incredibly expensive, like $35. Yeah, that's a really high CPC. I'm sure that exists. Uh, But we don't have any clients with a CPC like that. We do have plenty of clients that sell products that are nutritional type supplement type things, uh, both in the EU and the US. But one of our kind of barriers for clients would be them having a really mature brand and product listings and really good retail readiness. Um, So we can come in on ads and make a big impact right from the get go. So if they didn't have a lot of those things already lined up, we wouldn't be as interested um, in working with them. So we do, you know, some of that basic vetting before we, before we engage with somebody. And yeah, if we take a look at an account and that's the kind of cost per click is there, it's either that that company has, Um, wandered into the space and is like a bit surprised (laughs) or um, this is like a company that has experience in Amazon and already has sold the brand or has been around for a long time and they know what they're doing Um, and they know that even if they do bid some super aggressive high amount like that they have some sort of sequence to make it up in the back end like they're doing average order value that's higher they're doing some cart building there's some lifetime value there that they're figuring out. And so for them, it might make sense actually to run at 100% ACoS or 200% in extreme circumstances. Yeah, but that saying. is uh, a bit unusual. That's yeah, a bit unusual right. for sure. There, there's, very few, say, yeah. there's very few oh. categories that were like outright dismissed. I mean, we work with a very large range of things. We have food, we have supplements, we have baby, we have home, you know, kitchen, like, you know, all the usual things.
0: That's um, amazing. Would you guys, are you ever going to grow outside of Amazon, do you think? like with obviously like Walmart. Um, we or have done Target. trials
1: of Walmart management for several clients who sell there, um, but ultimately decided to hand that over to an agency that we uh, have a good connection with and they do Walmart really well. So we said, here, you guys take it. They're a Walmart agency. <laughs> so we were like, here, okay. you can you can make this work. Sounds like you guys um, know what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They, they know the organic side. These guys are all ex-Walmart employees actually and they know oh. everything. Um, so we said, hey, you can do a better job of this. I mean, they're not PPC people, but they, you know, Amazon um, PPC is you know, for as not complicated as it is, it's more complicated than Walmart. Walmart's is still very simple. Um, And we have trialed on and off, like doing um, Google traffic to uh, Amazon store pages, which is something we might actually try again this year. um, Because we do store pages as one of our services. And so if we can make a nice landing page and then send relevant traffic to it, that might be a really good way to help, uh, you know, client outcomes, which is ultimately what our our goal is. So we're exploring it, but we are for the foreseeable future, very, very focused on Amazon, very, very focused on advertising. Most of the things that people ask us to do, we have great referral partners we send to, and you know, that's fine by us.
0: That's amazing. Well, congrats on all the success. You guys are still growing and, you know, uh, for being, you know, stuck or for having a growing company and stuck in Southern France, man, I can't. (laughs) That, that, that's, does not suck. It does not sound terrible, but Hey, thanks so much. (laughs) Well, thanks for hopping on today. I know, uh, we can kind of go deep dive into this even more, but we'll have to have you on to talk more and and kind of more, get more specific or just like case studies. You're more than welcome to as a friend of the show, I always tell people, Hey, you ping me anytime you're more than welcome to hop on and just give like, Hey, I saw this. And I think this is interesting why we need to, uh, tell people about it. So thanks so much for hopping on today on crossover commerce and, uh, have a good weekend. I don't know. If, do you, do you guys have weekends over there? Like, or are you guys just always constantly like, chilling? <laughs> do they have like, weekends? The like, French yeah, work was... like 35 hours a week. <laughs> I know. Like the, the week, French the week is
1: like a weekend.
0: <laughs> Dude, my, my when I studied abroad, quick story. Yeah. Well, I studied abroad in 20, gosh, 11, no 10, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. uh, Paris was my second favorite city just because of like the openness of it all. But I'm a big yeah. history and art person. So yeah, everyone seems very relaxed over there. Very chill. I, I very much love the culture there, and I told my wow. wife she had a bad experience because she went with bad people. But I said I'm going to take the back <laughs> because that is not my experience whatsoever. Like she like yeah. went to the catacombs, which is not my thing, but like just went on like rainy days and went to Disney World, uh, Paris, which is cool. But that was why I wouldn't go to France. And I was like, that's not what I would go. To France, what, what are you no. doing? <laughs> I climbed to the top of every building I could, and I just like looked at everything. Like, that's that the way great. to do it. Yeah, the architecture exactly. in
1: Paris is incredible. The food, the food is another big draw. Uh, the weather, even this time of year, uh, early spring is still pretty crap. I mean, I lived there for two years. I wouldn't recommend it, but maybe late April is a good time. Any time from late April on
0: yeah i was there yeah what uh, uh that would have been like october november time frame i went that wasn't terrible i mean it was it was mm-hmm. rainy and little, that could still be little... fall
1: like fall in paris yeah, was it was fall really, really nice. fall
0: was nice yeah exactly yeah. so the worst but... months are
1: definitely uh the first three of the year you know so if you're looking at your december which is nice because it's all like christmas and stuff but yeah that january february march is not good in paris
0: yeah. Well, awesome. Well, Brent, thanks you so much for hopping on today. Uh, again, continued success. And uh, thanks for sharing your insights here in crossover commerce. Sure. Right on, Ryan. Right. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much. And then uh, you hold right there and I'll uh, catch you afterwards again, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to crossover commerce. What a week it's been. We had lots of great content and insights in the Amazon e-commerce space. Uh, I want to thank uh, Brent of AMZ Pathfinder again. Uh, you can actually check them out on their show notes below. Um, make sure that you go check them out, or you can connect with Brent on uh, LinkedIn as well. Uh, I apologize for not asking him directly, but I linked out to everything on the comment section below. Make sure you reach out to them, or if you want to ask him a question, go ahead and tag them in this post below, and make sure he, uh, we'll get, make sure your questions get to over to him. If you want to work with them or just pick his brain about more, uh, definitely check that out. I'm Rick Kramer, the host of this show, Cross Over Commerce. This was episode 89, standing out Amazon display and video ads. We talked a little bit of everything in the uh, advertising world on Amazon. So next week again is an action packed week. I think we have around three or four uh, episodes. It's one of them is pending. So stay tuned next week. We're going to be talking whole slew of different kinds of topics. We're talking about repressing, talking, restocking reimbursements, uh, maybe potentially selling a Walmart, Instacart and target um, DSP, obviously talking DSP talk dirty we, we kind of alluded to it earlier with uh, Joe over at head advance. I have lots of great, uh, people I've been blessed with and able to connect with, and they're able to share their insights here on this show. So I'm excited to bring that to you. Um, If you're an Amazon seller and e-commerce business owner, um, go ahead and tune in and subscribe to this channel. Go ahead and share that as well. We'd appreciate all the love and support as well. Again, this is Crossover Commerce. Thanks for tuning in. If this is your first or your 89th time, we appreciate you tuning in and watching the show either live or later on, but we want to bring you the best insights on the Amazon world. I'm Mark Kramer. Have a good weekend, everyone, and we'll catch you next time on Crossover Commerce.